So funny. Live. Oh, we're live right now? Yeah. Like literally like we're on. On podcast live? On the air. Really? Yeah. Well, thanks for the fucking warning. No problem. Alright. Let's go. So we got Johnny here from Crooked Clubhouse. A little bit of a switch up, really, in the whole direction that we've been going with this so far, but um, for the better, I think. And uh <laughs> well, time will tell. <laughs> so why don't I mean, no one's really ever seen you on camera. No one knows what you look like, or they see you on the bike, and... Everybody knows me. Knows well, what I look like. I don't know about that. Well, I do have a Facebook profile. What is that? Balls? Crooked balls? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Brass balls, crooked heart. Well, that's good. <clears throat> Dive I, right I, in, bro. I just want to, you know... It's, it's important for people to know who you are. When you got into riding, your story is pretty interesting. I've told it a million times, though, so it's not very interesting to me. No, it's getting old for me, but I yeah. want everyone to hear it. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, you, uh, you have an extensive background in the motorcycle industry, and um, how did you get involved in riding, period? Well, I kind of always played around with motorcycles like any average kid would do, and my sister, my older sister Tammy, she ended up meeting this guy that had a motorcycle, his name was Choker. And I was at the age, I was probably around 18, 19, and I wasn't doing fuck all with my life. I was pretty much partying every night. My parents wanted me to figure out what I was gonna do. I didn't want to go to university and do any of that kind of stuff. So my brother-in-law offered me an apprentice motorcycle mechanic position with Jay Cox Harley-Davidson. So I took it and went to Centennial College. And as soon as I was thrown in college, I was like, fuck this, I'm moving to LA. <laughs> so I had met my, uh, my wife around that time and I, she was planning on going to Hawaii. And I said, well, listen, I'm going to LA. I'm gonna become a famous actor. I'm not a very good mechanic. So we moved to LA and kind of hung around in Inglewood up to no good for about a year. I didn't stay long. We ended up in Vegas there, Vegas for about three months. Okay, but I, what's it like being a, a white kid growing up in Inglewood? That's kind of gnarly. Well, I stood out like a sore thumb, man. I was like Casper the Friendly Ghost in Inglewood, um, <laughs> and everybody thought I was a cop. So it was like no one would sell me a gun because everybody had guns there, and I was like, well, maybe I should have a gun, but no one would. <laughs> I used to drink a lot back then too, so no one wanted to give me a gun. So anyways, L.A. was a short, short stay and then we ended up in vegas i was there for about th the thing with vegas is you can't work in vegas legally unless you have like a sheriff's card that shows that you're not a criminal obviously you need your visa your work visa like i couldn't even pick up like shit at a construction site in like, vegas that's no joke though that's no that's, that's no serious. joke you gotta because there is a lot of international people obviously there that work but you got to be set up legally i couldn't even strip there so anyways we ended up uh we ended up in British Columbia, and I went to O'Hara's Harley-Davidson. And O'Hara's called Jay Cox and said, look, we got this kid, Johnny, here. And he, he said he worked there, and he was an apprentice mechanic. And 
Jay Cox right away said, do not let him work on a bike. Uh, put him in the parts, the parts room. And I ended up becoming a parts guy and dealt with service writing and bike sales. And that's where I kind of bled into the distribution, aftermarket and branding. I was just so stoked to be working for Harley. I thought like I won the lottery. Um, well, it was different, a little bit different back then. It was a little different back then because it, it was kind of before uh, Dealey's at the time, which was the international distributor for Canada. It was before they were kind of pushing the dealers to take off all the aftermarket parts off the wall. And, right. you know, it was a little more open, very creative time um, as far as custom bikes go. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from working at the Harley dealership on a customer service level because those customers, you know, the Harley customer needs to be stroked. And you could legitimately write a fucking book on, uh, on your story. So fast forward a couple of years and how did Crooked evolve out of all your experience in the industry? Well, Crooked evolved... Uh, I, I should probably go back. I, I ended up leaving um, Harley and I went to a distributor called uh, Tucker Rocky Biker's Choice. And there I was Canada's English speaking district sales manager for all Harley Davidson shops and aftermarket shops across Canada, except for Quebec, obviously. Um, did that for a bit, got fired. Um, Really bad firing. Have you ever seen Jerry Maguire where he gets fired from the agency and he snaps and steals the goldfish? <laughs> that was me. It was pretty bad. Um, but I was fortunate enough, there was a rep there called Alan Jaggard. And Alan Jaggard uh, was a district sales manager for an account called Stylemaster that was owned by one of the Canada's richest co uh, commercial construction developers, David Fidani. So I went in for an interview we smoked in his little office for about four hours straight and I got the job. Um, my wife was working as a credit analyst at Tucker Rocky. So I called her and I'm like, look, I got this job and he needs a secretary. So I got you a job. And she's like, well, I got to give my two weeks. And I'm like, well, no, you don't fuck them. I just got fired. <laughs> you know, just tell him you're leaving. And she ended up leaving and coming there. And we worked for David doing the custom bike scene where we did the big, uh, 230 fat tire craze. Uh, the head mechanic there designed the offset from the primary uh, to the belt drive and that to, to take on these big tires. And that was like a real, real eye opener as far as the custom world. Like we're doing, we were shareholders in merch engines and we're, you know, providing frames and engines to guys like Jesse James and a lot of the builders um, oh, across shit. North America. It was, a, it was a real fun time. Those bikes were really not fun to ride they weren't practical They're like more custom choppers though no like the jesse james stuff is yeah Je but the big tire thing came in and it was like it was like a car tire on the back of a bike because none of the manufacturers were uh making even tires like tire manufacturers they weren't making a tire that had obviously the dimensions to work with that and the concave to to hug the road properly so you were really leaning with a car rim and a car tire. So we got PM to start making us some, some rims. And, uh, I forget what tire manufacturer actually made us the, the first tire. So it took off. We opened up a shop in New York, Syracuse so that we could, uh, push our frames and everything, uh, from New York opposed to everything having to go across the border and dealing with all the bullshit for registration and whatnot. Right. Um, so that lasted for quite a while. And then, uh, David, the owner, 
decided he was getting out of the bike scene and we were in Daytona bike week and we were, our booth was set up next to Jesse James with West coast choppers. And I said to David, I'm like, you know, check this dude out, man. Like, this is what motorcycle is about. This guy's just cool. He's original. Uh, he, he's got a lot of respect for the guys that came before him and I haven't seen him sell one bike, but I've seen him sell a million t-shirts at this show. We need to get into the clothing game. Yeah. And David's like, well, you know, David had a lot of money. And he was just like, dude, I'm going to let you play with it. You figure it out. And I knew nothing about the clothing biz. Um, but I had this concept like, what if we went to tattoo artists and we got them to design clothing for us? And it became kind of like a tattoo themed brand. And uh, so we ran with that for quite a few years and had some success. And I started getting involved with a a Canadian uh, freestyle. Well, at the time, he was a motocross racer, but he was kind of bleeding into the freestyle motocross scene. And we started working together and he introduced me to guys like Seth Enslow and some of the dudes from Meta Militia. And that kind of turned into something at the time it wasn't anything great like militia was a very small core brand but started working with them and got the distribution rights and uh ran with metal militia for about 15 years That's under a crazy man. yeah it was a lot it was it dude i'm not even gonna tell the stories of no we'll save that for then. the follow-up but yeah <laughs> or maybe just never tell them no um but our distribution company was called, because uh, we, we need to come up with a distribution name, we called it Brass Knuckle Therapy. And uh, eventually Brass became its own brand. Um, and we went with that for quite a few years and we signed a licensing deal with a company out of uh, uh, LA and Vegas. And they wanted to turn us into a mixed martial arts brand. And at that time, mixed martial arts was kind of just blowing up. and. Guys like Larry Linkoggle from Metal Militia was going into people's backyards and doing bare-knuckle fighting. And, Jesus. Uh, and we were really attracted to that whole scene. It kind of fit our, you know, Scott Moynihan, who was one of my partners with Brass Knuckle Therapy, uh, we are just full of testosterone. So we were really drawn to that whole scene. The problem was is that the brand's identity had nothing to do with combat arts. Um, <laughs> And I wasn't too keen on it, but we we didn't have the money to buy all our inventory back out, so we had to bleed the we had to bleed the licensing agreement out, and uh, then Brass Knuckle Therapy went away, and I went back into the distribution game with a company called Motivan, where I took care of all the Harley dealers for them for about uh, another fifteen years, and while I was doing that, I was just so bored; it was so stale. Um, I was playing around with names and I came up with Crooked Clubhouse and, uh, you know, made a couple of designs, hit a couple of small shows and seen that it was resonating with people. And it just kind of, it, it is what it is now. It's just, it's still growing and it's still got stories to tell and designs to sling. And that's pretty much what I did in the bike industry 
pulled into little 10-minute well, segments. I was going to say I was impressed not only by, you, well, I mean, half of it was I'm impressed by your story, but the other half was how you summed that up into about five minutes, so that was pretty good. Yeah, well, if I had a, told the real story, then we wouldn't have a <laughs> podcast anymore. There was a lot of, the best way to explain the metal militia brass knuckle therapy years was like, it was like I was the tour manager for Motley Crue in their hey- heyday. Like, you know, <laughs> I would come and get the guys ready for shows. And um, there was just, there was a lot of partying going on. There was a lot of craziness. And there was a lot of, the, the, those guys really pushed each other to do the next, I hate to use the word extreme, but who could be the craziest? Who could push the envelope the farthest? Yeah, but well, it was, it was a good time. Motocross was for yeah, it was it was freestyle riding. It was it was a great time, man. It, it it was really fun to be a part of a sport at the beginning and watch it evolve. To you know, it's kind of died down now, but uh, what it became, it, we became the show. You know, yeah. we were the sideshow and we became the show. Yeah, I guess we should talk to you and kind of get your breakdown of how we met. And how we started talking about kind of joining forces. Yeah. Uh, well, I approached you uh, at the bike show two years ago. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was interested and I, I kind of went to some of the profiles and I was like, the, I think the problem is I didn't know you then. So I, I didn't know if it was just some guy that wanted to do all this stuff and was talking about it. I didn't realize that you're a doer, you know? Once I, was, I realized you're a doer, then it was like, all right. I was motivated, but I had no idea. Well, I, I had some idea of the direction that I want to go to go with, but really I, I didn't have any idea of what it was going to become or where I wanted to go with it. I knew that I wanted to do it. Um, cause there wasn't anyone doing it in, in Canada, but I had, again, I was super green to, to everything. So. Yeah. And I'm not a big podcast guy to be quite honest with you. I don't know why anybody would listen to this. Well, I mean, I, I don't listen to podcasts, not trying to drain people from listening to our <laughs> podcast, but if you like it, it's up to you. It's kind of like, you know, some dudes like to dress up in their wife's panties and, yeah, well, I mean, the, if you want to compare our podcast to you dressing up in women's panties, then that's, you yeah, know, well, that's marketing 101 for us. I'm a G-string guy, man. I'm not a booty sh- I make booty shorts, but I'm more of a G-string guy as far as when I'm wearing it. But yeah. No, but I came up to you and I, I approached you and told you about the podcast and told you what I was trying to accomplish. And then we, I think you, I actually messaged you on Facebook and asked, hey, where are you based out of? And you, I was like, are you still in Collingwood? Because that was the only address that you had on Facebook for Crook Clubhouse was a yeah. Collingwood address. Yeah. I don't know if that was your home address or... No. No? No, it was my storage unit. That's where you start off at the beginning. You're in like this little rat hole. <laughs> you know? It was a little bit of a hole in the wall. The guy there was hilarious, though. You pulled up and it looked like this... like fucking castle out of out of like yeah. hogwarts yeah and yeah. It, the guy had like windows out of all the all the side of the the tower there and i rolled up and you're like he's watching us he's totally watching us <laughs> he's totally it, it's funny the guy's name the guy's name is rad like he's about 70 something years old and his name is rad <laughs> like how rad is that no, no but, pun intended so that was your that was the first storage unit and then we you gave me a bunch of gear and and uh you took some killer photos i mean you did that one photo uh similar to the one you just uh slayed out this weekend that belfast did yeah and it was uh i think on the 427 and i was impressed i was like wow man this video is good or sorry this photo is good 
And that was that was the start, and then we just kind of. Well, by the way, we should probably tell everyone where we are because this is perfect timing. We have a yeah. We're um, our new location for Crooked Podcast Highway Heathens is. Um, I don't know. How would you explain it? Well, we're in a hangar, but we don't fly. Yeah. We ride. We're the only non-airplane tenants in here. This This guy obviously knows we're on live right now, so he just cranked his engine. Yeah, I think every time... Look at him. He's crushing right now. Yeah, I know, eh? See, this is... Once we have the video up and and you guys subscribe to the podcast, um, you'll be able to uh, get access to the full video and see all the madness that's going on. The goal is we will do a live podcast in the air. In the air, you can't. You need to take Valium before you go up. Yeah. Well, I won't be co-hosting, but we'll be up there. Oh, there it's gone. Perfect. Wow. It's amazing, well, eh? We we were gonna actually close our big hangar door to kind of muffle out the the sound, but Joe wanted to go real, man. He wanted to not hide the fact that a plane could land next to us at any minute and destroy our first uh, live podcast. It but had, I don't think it destroyed it. It enhanced it. No, it adds realism, you know? Yeah, man. So everyone that's seen the content recently on our pages hopefully have clued in to the new company that we have created called Faction Factory. Yes, sir. Which is a merger of basically everything that we're doing right now yeah it's kind of like um i work with certain brands kind of under the table i I don't really uh put it out there but i i help them out with some art direction and and marketing and whatnot and then you've got your your podcast and your photography videography and really faction factory is a merge of everything that we're both doing into one hub um and really a marketing tool for Crooked and Highway Heathens. And Highway Heathens is more of the event promotional side of the company where we work with uh, a couple of crews here in Canada, riding crews. You got One Wheel Mafia in Ontario, and you got Forever North crew in Quebec. Um, All a bunch of great lads, and we kind of all just support each other, high-five each other. Yeah, I mean, it's an all-encompassing company. We have the media aspect, we have the design aspect, and... And then we have the event aspect. Um, so, I mean, we just wanted to be able to, to you know, start a, a platform that uh, no, we can kind of feed everything that we have our hands in uh, to and, and that you guys can, uh, you know, have a kind of behind-the-scenes look and inside scoop as to what's going on um, aside from all the videos and photos that we're, that we're putting out on the pages. So um, interviews with industry professionals, um, you know, uh, Harley Davidson, Saddleman, some, you know, brands that we're already working with, Simpson Helmets. Um, but yeah, just gonna give you guys an inside scoop. And so far we've, I've kind of, the last, you know, three or four months has been finding a little bit of direction as to where this is going. And I'm, you know, super stoked that you've come in on this and helped me light the fire again under my ass to, to keep this going. But um, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that now we can kind of, you know, put out to everyone that we're going to be putting out an episode every couple weeks, every month. Um, and this is the start to uh, kind of a new direction um, for how everything's going. So, well, that's where we're telling everybody we could be fucking lying, though. I mean, we might get busy and not do anything. 
Shane's you in know? the background. Just yeah, he's giving us sign language like, as you, if we're supposed to just cut from what we're doing right oh, now and watch his sign Joe, language. What's Joe Rogan's uh, guy ass- assistant's name? Uh, Curly. Curly. No, yeah. I don't know what his name is. But no. what should we should we call? It? We need a nickname for the gingerbread man. The gingerbread the man. Because he mixes it with love and makes the world go round. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're always working on stuff. Uh, the gingerbread man there just asking about a bike project we're working on. We actually uh, started with the Rock Harley Davidson, got a new 2020 Road Glide Special. Very sick bike. Um, unfortunately, I had to give up my Dyna for it, but. You sold it? I sold it. Yeah, they bought it and they have it there actually for sale. So uh, spring is in the air. Go to the Rock Harley Davidson and, and grab yourself a beautiful Dyna. Yeah, I would take a look at that. That's nice. It's a sick bike, man. Um, this Road Glide, we're gonna we're painting it right now. We crushed the tanks. Conquer uh, is taking it over. They're doing the paint. We got a bunch of different manufacturers that are gonna be working with us on this. We got Original Garage out of Quebec. Obviously, Crooked Hard Parts, uh, Sterling, uh, my hard parts partner, he's, he's doing the, the beautiful Crooked Risers, floorboards, pegs. Um, we've got uh, alloy art for the lower legs. Um, Fab 28 is doing an exhaust with us, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and there's a bunch of other manufacturers and, and Speed Kings out of the States. Uh, Steve from Speed Kings is just a solid guy. Um, even when I started Crooked Clubhouse and pretty new to, I guess, the social media game, uh, Steve was always giving me pointers and, and working with me. And, and it was an obvious choice to go to him to see if he wanted to get involved with this because he, he, he was involved with the Dyna as well. They're super solid guys. Yeah, they're, they're a solid team. You see it even at the shows in the States and that and how, you know, you can tell which guys are respected to which guys aren't. And Steve's just a collaborator. He wants to work with everybody and enhance what they're doing and and obviously complement his business. So we're pretty stoked about that. Um, but really, get back with faction and everything we're trying to do. We are having, like every business out there, some obstacles that we're having to, you know, deal with because of COVID and the, the current climate globally. But Fuck it, man. We're going to become the content. You know, if we're if we're not at the shows, then we're going to try and become the show. And even if there's no spectators, that's what we're here for, for the videography and and to document what we're doing. So hopefully everybody enjoys what they see over the next couple of months while we can with the with the Canadian climate here in Ontario. For sure. For sure. And, And this is like the first year that we haven't been down well, I know well, for me, it's been the first year I haven't been down to the States for Bike Week, but you, you were down there last year, were you not? No, I haven't been. Actually, I I have, I was at, uh, I went to, I think you're thinking of Born Free in okay, California. Yeah, 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 yeah. That show, that show is the best show I've been to, man. Yeah. Born Free, yeah, because it, it really, it brings everything that is involved in this lifestyle from music to uh, the brands that help support it. Uh, Obviously, influencers are, are a big part of this business, and, and they're there. 
You know, you got like you got like title sponsors like Vans coming there and setting up the half pipe. That's and, huge. Yeah, visually, it's visually and just the whole atmosphere of that show is is a lot, a lot of fun. Daytona, I mean, I did Daytona back in the day when I was a lot younger, and it was just crazy, too. We kind of have our own Born Free here in Canada with Freedom Machine, though. That's kind of yeah. like a similar event, I would say. I mean, yeah, and that was the birthplace for Crooked, really. That was the first show I ever brought some Crooked product, and I've, I've really grown it around that show. Those guys are great, too. Uh, again, a bunch of motorcycle enthusiasts that... It, it with the great thing about these guys and what they do is it, it's not about making money it's about complementing their passion and i mean not to sound corny because it does sound corny when you say it but it's it's true um you know we're motorcycle people we want to be around motorcycle people and you yeah. want to be around people that share the same shit that you dig yeah and that's what's cool about that show where yeah. freedom machine it's it's it you're zoned in the focus is on you. It's a smaller venue, and you know you camp out there. It's a lot of fun, man. That's it's why a good I show. bought my first Harley. Two weeks after, I looked at my buddy and I said, "We're the only two guys on sport bikes at at this event. If we want to come back next year and actually make friends, we should probably get on Harley." Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they don't let like the sport bikes or European bikes park in the main area. No, we like they roll, put you to the side. It it's was like, hilarious. We oh, roll. this guy. This before COVID. They're like, this guy's got COVID. Fucking pull, no, pull we, over there. We, we roll up and we're like, hey, like, you know, trying to be all nice. And, 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 and these guys look at us like, yeah, you can just keep on yeah. going, bud. Like, yeah. walk her down to the end thing. Well, they're the same way with us, too, because they're, they're traditionalists. You know, they want to see the old panheads and some of the, the old chopper bikes. And I'm going to be one of those guys this year, telling those guys to yeah. keep going, though. Yeah. So, now I don't care. Well, you know what? I'll be more the guy that's welcoming everybody. Actually, I won't. I'm pretty much the old grumpy dude. Anything on two wheels is, is you got my blessing, but... I, I'm the same way, man. I mean, whatever you ride, I mean, I do... Obviously, I have a preference, um, but whatever, man. Do whatever makes you happy. Ride whatever you love to ride and, you know... Yeah. Just just be uh, just be part of the scene and, we had and a great, enjoy it. We had a great ride this past weekend. Um yeah, with Alex. GTA. She's doing a lot of stuff in Ontario, man. Yeah, she's... Props to her. She's, uh, she's putting... Uh, she's doing a lot for, for the whole... How do you pronounce her last name? Palumbo. Are you sure? Po- Sounds yeah. like an old 80s TV show. I th- Like I a, think. a really dirty Italian cop. <laughs> fucks people up. I don't know. She's, she's a great girl. She's doing a, a lot of cool stuff in the industry, and uh, it's all her spare time. And again, going back to the whole passion thing, like she's... That's she's, a prime example. She's dialed in. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's... Uh, it was a good ride. Everyone had tons of fun. Heathens came out. Uh, Slenderman, Slenderman. Slenderman was there. His bike caught fire. Well, not caught fire, but... I mean, almost caught fire. He, uh, he had a little bit of a battery issue, and his, his new lithium battery took a, took a shit. But um, all good. Bike's good. He's good, which is important. So, um, but yeah, shit Slenderman, the king of the one-liners. Well, it's the Harley game, you know? But yeah. Um, yeah, so big shout-out to Alex. Thanks for, for putting on such a badass ride this past weekend. And uh, yeah, if you guys are looking to get involved in the motorcycle scene and meet new people and come by these events, make sure to follow Crooked Clubhouse and Highway Heathens, the Life Behind Bars podcast um on instagram faction with two ends with two ends um and stay up to date on everything that's going on in the scene we're going to be checking 
back in with you every couple weeks to uh, tune in and let you know what's going on behind the scenes and even in, in front of the scenes. Can you say that? Well, I'm a virgin to this, so I've, I've, I've got a question here. <laughs> Anyways, what I was going at there is like, honestly, am I like, are we talking to them? I always talk to them. Yeah, because again, I'm not a podcast connoisseur. I have no clue what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, so. well, I mean, think about it. If you were listening to this, you'd, you'd want to feel like you were being spoken to. Yeah, you kind of do, but I don't know if it's real or what's going on. Like, I'm pretty confused right now. It's all Fugazi. Fugazi, Fugazi? Like, Fugazi what's that? Fugazi. Oh, wait. <laughs> what, what is, where's that from? That is from one of the best, okay, Mo- Martin Mr. Scorsese. Mr. Movie Buff Martin Scorsese is a genius. And that is from The Wolf of Wall Street. And that's Matthew McConaughey when he's talking to Leonardo DiCaprio explaining how the stock market works in New York. And it's, I mean, take a little bump. I don't know. How many times do you jerk off a day? I don't know. I don't need it. (laughs) But I do it, you know. Makes me feel good. All right, all right, all right. All right. With Um, that? With that. Um, we will catch you in a couple weeks. Um, stay up to date on our socials and uh, follow Crooked Clubhouse, Highway Heathens, Life Behind Bars podcast. Or don't. Faction, or don't. Have uh, a boring life. You want to be vanilla? Stay vanilla. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, peace. Later. Yeah. Can I wear the, the headphones? Yeah, you can wear them. Yeah? Sure. Yeah. Do you feel like safer when you wear those? It is kind of like my security blanket, and I can hear my voice. I like it. I, it feels weird for me now that I don't have them. Do you want to wear them? No, I don't. No, it's fine. You look better with them on. All right. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? That went. The podcast? Yeah. I don't know because we haven't heard any of the shit. To- read any of the shit talkers yet of saying stupid stuff like we look on camera or, I'm probably not allowed to use the word right you can't because use that word we've been canceled we've cancel culture <laughs> I can't. it's over <laughs> well that's what's going to happen we're uh, really our objective with this podcast everybody is to get canceled at least once a month if we can get canceled at least once a month that's a win yeah and my it's funny because I got two daughters uh, I've got a son as well uh, but my two daughters still live at home and I get canceled every week because I say something and I explain it to them. I'm like, man, it's my generation. Like, this is the way we talk. And what offends you didn't offend us. It was, and, it, and when we said certain things, there was, no, there was no venom in it. It was just us talking. It was our lingo. What are you standing on? Well, thanks for pointing that out, fucker. Because this was supposed to be the magic uh, video where it looked like I was close to the same height as you. But <laughs> Are you serious? I, I yeah. just noticed that right now. Well, can you hear the click? So <laughs> look at it now. I lo- it's like a Laurel and Hardy kind of Not fucking. You guys wouldn't even much. know who Laurel and Hardy I shouldn't even know who Laurel and Hardy is. But when I stand on it, it just makes me feel a little more important. You feel better, don't you? Well, it helps the fucking camera angles because otherwise I'm like this little short stubby dude. And Jesus. You're like this long, lender, slender kind of, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> like European, like Spanish male model, you know? Thanks, bro. I'm just some dude from Cape Breton Island. Yeah. That likes motorcycles.